What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Live Loud Life podcast. My name is Dr. Antonio, your host of the Live Loud Life podcast. My wife and I, we own Live Loud Chiropractic and Coaching based out of Lafayette, Colorado. Uh, and this platform is just another medium for us to get some uh, excellent contact out content, blah, content out to our current patients. Uh, and for those of you who are looking for better answers and, and, and are looking for a better way or possibly just a different way for you to help raise your family. Now, I say families because our primary population that we focus on helping is families, right? I'm a husband. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm a husband and a father, and uh, the the primary demographic that we see in help is my age and is my population per se. Um, and so, a lot of our content is driven towards helping families just thrive and live well. We believe families deserve more from their healthcare providers, and we we hope to kind of just fill that gap that they feel that they might be getting from their PCP, their OBGYN, their midwives, whatever that might be, just to add in that supplemental information and or care so that they can thrive and just live these awesome loud lives. Now, <clears throat> with that, I apologize. I have like this tickle in my throat. <clears throat> with that, uh, I just want to share a little bit of, before we get into our episode about some of the things that we can help you with. If you're curious about um, working with us or just getting a consult and some advice. So my wife and I, we both specialize in prenatal and postnatal chiropractic and coaching, as well as pediatric care. So what does that look like and what does that entail? So prenatal, what we're looking at is basically we could we could include into this preconception. So what would this a lot a lot of times be referring to is preconception, nutrition and supplementation to make sure that your body is ready to bring in bring in another life and start growing another life. Now, during that prenatal phase and stage, we're going to, again, expand upon prenatal nutrition and supplementation to make sure that you're giving your newborn, or sorry, your unborn child yet, um, all the things that it needs to develop a healthy nervous system, musculoskeletal system, so on and so forth. Now, with that, we also provide a lot of guidance and care about exercise and fitness during pregnancy so that you can stay very active, and not feel like you're limited by anything because you're pregnant. Now with that, if you're local and you're going to see us in person, we're also going to be talking about birth preparation. How can we from chiropractors and a manual therapy standpoint help you prepare for labor and birth? Prenatally, what does the first few weeks of prenatal look like? Or sorry, postpartum. What do the first few weeks of postpartum look like, right? How can we better support moms all the attention was given to moms before baby. Now that baby's born, all the attention is given to baby, and sometimes the mom goes to the wayside. So we want to make sure that moms are being fully supported during this time, where we're talking about core activations, <clears throat> pelvic floor health, uh, again, nutrition and supplementation, especially if you're breastfeeding, how to best support you for that. And then also looking at breastfeeding support for you and baby if you're having any issues, which ties into the pediatric side. Hey, if we're having any nursing issues, what are some things to consider and look at? We're not uh, <clears throat> we're not lactation consultants, but we work uh, we work heavily with them and pediatric dentists to work on tethered oral ties, also known as tongue ties, that might be causing some issues with breastfeeding and really kind of uh, making the relationship between mom and baby a little bit stressful, especially in a time that's just so, supposed to be so nurturing and comforting and bonding. Now, with that. <clears throat> We also see we also see the everybody else in the family, the dads. Right, dads are doing so much to help support their 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 um, <clears throat> their partners during uh, pregnancy. 
And then also uh, during the postpartum phase, when we have this newborn baby, they're active in the process as well. And we want to be able to support dads, making sure that their bodies feel good and, 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 and well-rounded so they're not having aches and pains so that they can better support their partner. And and their and their and their children. Now, with that too, we also see just kind of like your standard aches and pains that come along with everyday life, whether that's mid back pain, whether that's neck pain, or even lower back pain. We definitely can help with those, and those are definitely more my specialty. Low back, shoulder pain. We want to keep you super active, so again, you can live that loud life. No one wants to be you know, restricted by the activities they can do, especially when you live in an awesome place and you want to go out, enjoy the outdoors, go skiing, go snowboarding, go hiking, whatever that is. Don't let these small things rob you of your independence. Most of us just kind of sweep it on the rug. I'm the same way. I'm super guilty about it. just like, ah, no, it'll be good. It'll be good. It'll just work itself out. And, 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 it, and it can time to time. But more likely than not, it's a lot easier to deal with an issue before it becomes a big issue. So if if uh, if any of this seems, you know, it kind of resonates with you, if you're kind of like, yeah, that's me and I need a little bit of help and support, please feel free to reach out to us. Like we love to team up with you. We love to be, um, you know, an additional support to your healthcare team. Not the only thing. We think it's a team effort. Um, but we want to collaborate and work with you to make sure that you can get all the information that you need. Now, if you're not local to Boulder County, North Denver, whatever that, you know, that kind of general radius area. Uh, we do offer consultations where we'd be able to, again, just have the conversations and give you the nutrition or supplemental guidelines, talk about exercise, talk about rehab. We do virtual consultations with people on low back pain and shoulder pain because a lot of that is just understanding the do's and don'ts and how to properly progress rehab and what you know, soft tissue and just other things that you can do in conjunction to really help your body recover and heal so that you're not solely dependent on going in to just get manual therapy. Still important because we still do it, but oftentimes you're not getting the necessary information from those manual therapists and we can help you with that. So um, as always, please reach out to us. You can reach us at hello at liveloudlife.com uh, on Instagram at dot loud.life. And then uh, our website's www.liveloudlife.com. All right, to the show. So today what we're talking about is the physical guidelines for exercise. So, excuse me, <clears throat> physical activities for, uh, guidelines for exercise. Now, the reason why we talk about this is this is going to be kind of a, an intro to a two-part series where the second part, again, talking about parents, is how do you exercise and stay active with kids? Definitely is a lot harder. I'll tell you what, it definitely is a lot harder. But we want to at least lay the framework out for what are the guidelines? What are what is recommended for aerobic exercise and strength and strength exercise to live a relatively healthy life? Now it's a lot more than we kind of initially think, right? Um, and it's changed recently. So we want to at least lay it out and give it to you. And then also highlight how many of us are actually meeting that recommended guideline. And, and what are the benefits of actually following the guidelines, right? Why, again, why are the guidelines there? What does it offer for you? So I'm just going to lay this out real quick so, so we can best understand what the guidelines are. And I'm going right off of um, various um, sources on the internet, uh, of which are health.gov, coming from the CDC, you know, these government uh, 
uh, appointed websites that have this information on there. Now, argumentatively, some could say that this is not the <laughs> the best resource, but we're using it as our guideline to at least prep the conversation, right? And we can expand from there. So for substantial, substantial, for substantial health benefits, adults should do at least 150 minutes, two hours and 30 minutes to 300 minutes, which would be five hours a week of moderate intensity or 75 minutes, one hour, which is one hour and 15 minutes to 150 minutes, which is two hours and 30 minutes a week of vigorous intensity, aerobic, physical activity, or an equivalent combination. So what we're looking at here, let me get the, I apologize, this just changed on me. So at a minimum, 150 minutes a week. So I know that changed, uh, let me, I used minutes and hours there and I don't want that to get confusing. So at a minimum, two hours and 30 minutes, right? At a max, it's saying not a maximum because obviously you could do more, but we're looking at two hours and 30 minutes to five hours a week of moderate intensity or an hour and 15 minutes to two hours and 30 minutes of vigorous intensity. Now, where, how this gets, there's a little bit of interpretation here, like what's vigorous, what's intense, so on and so forth. But in addition to that, we should have at least two days of week of muscle strength and activity. Okay. Activities that make your muscles work harder than usual is what it says. Okay. So <clears throat> what we're looking at is moderate intensity aerobic activity. So the easiest way, and we've done some other shows and conversation about this, the easiest way to think about this is steady state aerobic training, right? To just kind of make it easy for everyone to understand steady state aerobic activity. Now, we're not going to talk about heart rate zones and different things like that. I think there's a, there's a tremendous benefit to that, but most people most people aren't tracking their heart rate and knowing which zone they're in based on that. You don't have to t- you know take your pulse um, and, and look how, how fast your heart's beating based on a watch or anything like that. So the easiest way to think about steady state or moderate intensity is doing something at a pace that you can hold a conversation to. Now... When we say that, it says moderate intensity. It doesn't say easy. So yes, I could take a stroll around the block, right, where my almost my heart rate doesn't even change, and I could still hold a conversation, right? We're trying to we're trying to reach a threshold to create adaptation here. So you it has to be at some moderate intensity, meaning we want you moving and we want you moving at a good pace, but we want you also to be maintaining a conversation basis. So this shows you that your heart rate is not so elevated that you get into uh, hyperventilation where you're having to start, you know, changing your conversation to more important things such as breathing. So that's an important component to know because we have more, I think more times than not, we're thinking, well, yeah, moderate intensity. Yeah, I'm going for, you know, a decent stroll and I feel like I was breathing a little bit. That's that's moderate intensity. Now, at the same time, we're not talking about running per se. Now, here's the here's the kicker and the caveat and the thing about aerobic training and, and just resistance training. The more you do, the better you get. So for instance, 
And this is important too. Your cardiovascular system will adapt faster than your musculoskeletal system. So what does that mean? Meaning my, my body's ability to effectively bring in oxygen and then use my blood to transport it to the various parts of my body that are being used, that will adapt faster than my bones, my muscles, and tendons can adapt to more load. So let's use an example here. Let's say, for instance, someone was in a car accident, right? They've been kind of bedbound, bedridden for a while. They've atrophied. They lost a lot of muscle strength. Um, obviously, not walking or doing anything. Your your bones are not going to. You're not going to be osteoporotic, but you're you're not getting that stress impact that you normally would. That would keep bones nice, healthy, and strong. So then you know you get out of you get out of critical care, and we start moving you around. You're going to feel really out of breath. You're feel like you're going to feel like it's very hard to even just walk to the bathroom, right? And, and your muscles and your bones are probably bones, your muscles, ligaments, tendons, all those things are probably going to hurt a little bit because you haven't been using them. But the more you start walking and doing things, you're going to find that your breath and it's going to be easier to go from A to B a lot faster than your body may be responding to how much it aches when you're actually moving. The same goes true for running. If you're a relatively inactive person, but you haven't done a lot of running yet, when you get into running, you're, you're going to feel like you're out of breath really fast. And and you're going to be sore in a lot of different areas because you don't use certain muscle groups the way that you're using them when you're running, especially absorbing the ground reaction forces and the impact that you have with running. But your cardiovascular system, again, how much how, how you breathe and how hard you're having to breathe to run a certain pace will adapt faster than the muscles and the tendons and everything else that are associated with running, which is which is great because our, it shows that our, our, our aerobic capacity, our cardiovascular system is very adaptable and we want to keep that healthy. What does that mean? That means we, we, we strengthen the heart. We, we strengthen our ability to effectively move blood and nutrients to the various body parts that are needed. This this is great for cardiovascular health, right? Which is if, if, uh, is one of the major um, killers, if you will, and comorbidities within our within our nation. So, and, and this will coincide with what we're talking about is how many people actually meet the, meet the physical guidelines. And so this is this is this is a critical component to understand and look at is just the basics done consistently, as we say time and time again, will provide you with so much benefit. Now, the reason why we're talking about that threshold though is as you start to do more, that gets easier. So you have to do a little bit more on top of that to keep adapting and to keep your body moving forward. If we just do the same amount all the time. You're going to get good at doing that same amount, that same distance, that same speed, so on and so forth, but we need to vary it to create more adaptation, right? So, you know, my my heart rate when I run, let's say two miles might be at a certain level. And then I might be breathing or my, my, we're not going to get into expiration, right? But because my heart rate, let's say is like 170 running two miles, I'm, I'm obviously breathing super hard, right? So that's a fast pace. But if I, if I train appropriately, that's going to get better over time where my two miles, the time that it takes me will go down and my heart rate in doing so will also reduce because I'm going to become more efficient at that. So I think that's an important component to know, but look at 150 minutes a week. When we're looking at this, the minimum of two hours and 30 minutes, 
right? Two hours and 30 minutes. That's five days of 30 minute walks, right? That's at, at that moderate intensity. That's, that is very doable. That is very doable. Now, I know everyone leads busy lives. We all lead, lead busy lives. And again, this is going to the second part series of how to um, keep working out and how to exercise with family, with kids. Uh, but but that's the minimum it's looking at. Now, it's saying two, two hours and 30 minutes up to five hours, right? A lot of people kind of bank on like an hour, 45 minutes to an hour workout, workout a week. There you go, right there. That's where you have it. Now, in addition, we're talking about the two days a week of strength training. So we're going to talk about that. But it does include in there or 75 minutes, which is an hour and 30 minutes to two hours and 30 minutes, a more vigorous intensity. So what would that be? That would be more of like your HIIT training, right? So when we talked about the steady state, being able to maintain a conversation pace, meaning as I'm walking, I'm able to talk to a partner, so on and so forth. More vigorous activity would be exceeding that and you might be getting into more hyperventilation points where you're having to override conversation with uh, with breathing, right? So for instance, you're going to change from, you know, a conversation to this, like, and then you might say a couple words, right? That would be more of that vigorous training. Now, more times than not, you're going to start to find that if you're trying to have a conversation while doing vigorous activity, it's not going to go well because you're just going to start expending more energy and start hyperventilating even more because breathing trumps everything. You cannot do anything if you're not breathing, So that will always be the default of what to do. Now, vigorous intensity does not mean that you're doing a steady state vigorous activity, right? So in that example, the two miler, if I was running two miles and my heart rate was pretty much 170 the whole time, that's a a very vigorous pace. Now, for competition or a race or anything like that, okay, yes, that might be appropriate. And there's times during training, if that is the case, that I would need to do that, of course. But is that how I'm going to be training all the time? No. And that's what gets misconfused a lot of times is we assume that vigorous training or even HIIT training means I just need to burn it and gas it and breathe as hard as I can, as much as I can, and just kill myself in order to get a good quote unquote workout. That's not what we're looking for. HIIT training stands for high intensity interval. Interval meaning you're doing it and then you have time off doing it time off. So work to rest ratios or doing a work paired with another pair of work that's super mild or low intensity as a recovery aspect. Now there are times where you might go, let's say for instance, like a five to 10 minute bout of more vigorous and then you're done, right? It might be just these shorter bursts of compact exercises done. And what you might, you know, think about is, Um, you know, like a CrossFit workout or something like that, where it's just, you know, it's might be six to 12 minutes where you're just going hard and then you're done, right? That'd be exam. That'd be another example of that. So it's saying obviously that time is uh, less because our body can't sustain doing that much vigorous activity for the same amount as we're talking about for moderate intensity. So what is great about that is it's an, it says, or, but I want to put an I want to put an and in there because there's benefits to both. As we already indicated, yes, the steady state exercise is good and it's going to be different for everybody. And that really helps build up the bottom of your pyramid for aerobic capacity. I think I think time and time again, we see that not enough is done in that steady state aerobic capacity uh, and more is focused on just the hit or high intensity or the uh, the the vigorous intensity type of workouts. 
and then converse is true, we see a lot of people just do the the strolls and the walks without a lot of intense breathing, huffing, and puffing. And, and our body really needs both. And we need to see a combination of both because it really helps us develop a cardiovascular system that's dynamic. Think about just life in general, right? When, and I'll take this back because some people might be in this category, but some people just live, you know, very mellow lives, which is great. I'm not, I'm not down in that, right? Just, there's not a lot of stress, you know, uh, you're just kind of doing the status quo. You're enjoying the walks, you're enjoying the classes, but let's say for instance, something happened and you had to run, right? You got to be able to just get up and go. And that vigor, that's more of a vigorous intensity. And yes, during a fight or flight situation, you'll make it happen. But what we're saying is just like, if your body's more prepared for these ups and downs, you're going to be able to handle whatever your body, whatever's being thrown at you a lot more effectively. And I think that's, I think that's important because life is not stagnant. There's always the ups and downs. Okay. Now, in addition to this, we're looking at two days, two days a week of resistance training. Now, again, there's a there's a whole pamphlet on health.gov that talks about the breakdown, and it even has a breakdown of age groups. We're, this was this was for adults. It has you know uh, a breakdown of pregnancy, postpartum period, older adults, uh, children, and adolescents. Um, so on and so forth. And to just give you a little tidbit here, aerobic capacity, most of the 60 minutes or more a day should be moderate or vigorous intensity aerobic activity and should include a vigorous intensity physical activity on at least three days a week. That's for, that's for adolescents, kids, children and adolescents, right? Muscle strengthening part of their 60 minutes. And they're basically saying 60 minutes of movement a day, essentially. Um, uh, should include muscle strength, physical activity on at least three days a week. Now, you know, we're not saying that you need to like go get your kids in a weightlifting program, but outside of just running, what would muscle strengthening be? You know, playing on playing on a jungle gym and different things like that, where they're having to to use different body parts to move things. Um, so that's just an idea of like the breakdown. But for the strength training. What we're looking for is two days a week where you're getting under some weights, you're getting under some load. Now, again. Going back to the same conversation we had about the aerobic capacity, there's a certain level of threshold and adaptation or, or, or intensity we have to do to elicit adaptation. And I think it's due to have another episode about this, but we've had many a conversations with more of an more of an older population where it is thought, and, and I would, I'm even going to throw prenatal in here because they get um, told this a lot in a lot of programs around this is lightweight, high rep. Now you are using, let's say for instance, I'm doing five pound weights and I move it 10 times, right? That's 50, 50 pounds of overall workload. Uh, if I did it 20 times, it's a hundred pounds overall workload. So, you know, I moved a hundred pounds. Okay, great. You can expand upon that. You could be doing sets of 50 to 75 and get a good burn because it's, it's not impossible to do that, but your body, you know, how many five pound things are you moving around on a given day? And so while your body gets really good at moving five pounds around, you get exposed to something that's even 15 or 20 pounds. You might have a little bit more trouble with it. And so what we need to do, just like our aerobic capacity or our, our, um, our, our, our daily aerobic movement guidelines 
have moderate intensity to more vigorous, we need to include some variations within that. And it doesn't have to be day-to-day. It could be certain movements within the day that are a little bit heavier or that make you work a little bit harder. And then other movements that might be a little bit lighter. So I think that's a critical component. Now, I think the two days a week, again, this is minimum guidelines, right? We're going to go over some stats here in a moment, but that's minimum guidelines. Two days a week, super easy to get to. So based on what we said, you're looking at like five days a week of moderate exercise with some vigorous stuff mixed in there. And then two of those days are um, are resistance training or strength training. So that's seven days right there. Now, not all of us have the ability to move seven days a week. So you might come, you might you know, break that down into five, but you might be doing some movement with some resistance training. We're not going to get into the nuances of programming because that's best done on an individual basis. We're just showing you, again, minimum what you should be aiming for and looking at. But I think two days a week is very low. I think we need a little bit more. I think most people respond a little bit better because we're trying to elicit adaptation. And if we're not doing enough, then we're not going to elicit an adaptation. But from a starting point, Let's shoot for two days. So what we want to look for, though, for some of those resistance days is you want to be getting a you might want you want to be moving some weights that make you grunt a little bit. So there's there's different ways, and obviously you're going to hear biased opinions from different people. But one way to kind of think about it is tough at ten is kind of a good frame of reference. If you you know a lot of strength and conditioning starts with, you know, 3 sets of 10 and if you're a strength and conditioning coach or a personal trainer or a chiropractor in the rehab space and, and you want to have a, you know, you want to bash 3 sets of 10, that's fine. We can have a conversation about it, but we're talking about minimal effective dose here. 3 sets of 10 is a great place to start off with, especially when you're talking about the population we're talking to who's just trying to get it in. Three sets of 10 is great, but tough at 10, meaning when you get to that 10th rep, you might only have like three to five, maybe six reps in reserve. So what does that mean? You do 10 reps and then at the end of that 10th rep, you're done obviously. But if I was to ask you, I'm like, hey, I want you to do as many reps as you can after that 10. We want to see only like three to five reps done on top of that 10. So now when you're thinking about some of your movements, you're like, dang, I'm definitely not using that heavy of a weight because you would probably be able to bust out like another 10, 15, or 20, right? You're not going to elicit as much adaptation if you're using a weight that light. Now, that does not mean every single movement has to be done that way, but we're just talking about how some of those movements would be best done if we can't do that. Now, what movements would those be? Let's look at the big compound lifts. Compound lifts meaning I'm using... Uh, compound movements, I'm using multiple joints to, to do a task or move the weight. Squats, deadlifts, right? So with squats, my hips are, my hips are working, my knees are working, my ankles are working, my torso is working. Obviously, all the muscles that are associated with each one of those regions or body parts, that's a compound movement. Deadlifts, very similarly, um, even overhead press, pull-ups, push-ups, those types of things, right? It's a lot easier for us to just maximize on those compound lifts to be able to hit multiple body parts. And that allows you to lift those heavier weights and, and grunt a little bit more so that we can be hitting those heavier, those heavier, uh, um, uh, rep schemes. 
So I think that's I think that's important and, and vital to understand so that we can see how we can elicit more and get more bang for the buck based on what we're already doing. That's that's an important thing to know. Um, now some now let's go to let's go to stats real quick here because I do want to wrap up and, and keep the time frames that I try to do. So here here's here's a quote. This is on CDC, all right? Percent of adults age 18 and over who meet the physical activity guidelines for aerobic capacity, 53%. So this, this is showing us, this is saying that half of you are meeting the aerobic guidelines, which is pretty good, right? It's better than I thought it would be. Percent of adults 18 and over who meet the physical activity guidelines for both aerobic and muscle strengthening activities is 23%, which shows us most people default to aerobic capacity, meaning going for walks and runs and things like that. But only two out of 10 of you are meeting both of those guidelines that involve both the aerobic capacity and the muscle strengthening component. And as we age, over the age of 40, you start losing 1% of muscle mass every year, unless you're doing something actively to avoid that and or, you know, turn back time and actually build muscle, which is important as we get older, which is especially important for older females who are battling and trying to avoid osteoporosis, right? Resistance training is a wonderful way to, to prevent that and avoid that. Avoid that prevention, depending on genetics and things like that, might might play in a, a little bit more differently. But that I think is critical to understand because I'm guilty of it too. It ge- it gets busy. There's times where like I just last week I ate something and and I've been off for about a week now, and I did not get in as much movement as I can. Now I aggressively was attempting to do the 75 hard challenge which was essentially two 45 minute workouts a day, which is an hour and a half a day. So when you do that math, I'm looking at, uh, what's that? Six. Uh, so 10 over 10 hours a week of both aerobic capacity and, and some resistance training in there. Right. Um, and that was a lot for being a dad of three, for being a business owner, for being a, you know, for being a, a partner and a husband working out twice a day that much it was tough. And I was doing a lot of it in the off hours in the morning or in the evening, so on and so forth. And it eventually got to the point where I got burnt out from it, right? It was too hard to maintain for my season of life. So the reason why I was doing it though, was to turn this corner into great, better habits coming off of the holidays and a bunch of, you know, basically the end of the year, while I was still working out and training and meeting that physical activity guidelines, uh, and, um, I'm, I'm gonna take my foot out of my mouth and, and go over that again. I was not as consistent as I as I felt I needed to be based on how I wanted to look, feel, and just energy level, so on and so forth. Now, by my default, and I think there's I think there's benefit here. I I I I gravitate more to the resistance training, but I utilize it in a way that allows me to get both. But I still think there's some holes missing in that, and that's why 75 has been good because I've been getting more about Sorry, more of just a steady state aerobic capacity in. So I do a lot of kettlebells. And the reason why I love kettlebells so much is it allows me to get that aerobic capacity in, that huffing and puffing, in addition to some of the strength benefits. And it really just depends on application and how you use it. Um, uh, but I was not getting enough just uh, – and I, we would go on daily walks, but I think enough running and different things like that. So 75 hard was good because I've been getting in more days of just running. 
right? And I think running is is outside of you having something that prevents you from being able to run, whether that's um, you know something wrong with your cardiovascular system or an injury or a previous surgery. I think running is such a vital um, movement that that humans should be able to do, and most of us just forget or end up throwing it away after we're you know after the age of even like you know, middle school or high school. Cause we're like, we're not a kid. We don't run anymore. Um, so we want to fill those holes as, as best as we can. And working with someone can definitely help you with that. But overall to summarize, we're looking at the physical guidelines, uh, the recommended physical guidelines that, that adults should be getting. Now to recap, at a minimum, two hours and 30 minutes of, of moderate intensity. And I'm going to add the and there. One hour and 15 minutes of res, uh, of vigorous, and or, sorry, and or, I would say and or. Uh, one hour and 30 minutes of vigorous intensity activity on top of the two days of resistance training. So that's not a lot. So practical application here. Let's look at that. So again, we're going to kind of, let's just plan out a hypothetical day. And it changes seasons of life, seasons of the year, so on and so forth, where maybe you can't get outside to do certain things. But, you know, most of us, even if you had to pace back and forth in your uh, in your apartment or something, it's been done. We've seen the stories during COVID of people, you know, taking taking what they have and making the lemonade out of the lemons and just doing laps within their, within their house to, to get their movement in. But let's throw out a hypothetical week, all right? Monday, you go for a nice, a nice long steady state walk, conversation pace, 30 to 40 minutes, right? Tuesday, you do uh, you do like a warm-up and then maybe you do a bout of resistance training, getting under some weights that take you 20 to 30 minutes. And then you add on just like a little bit of short sprint cardio, if you will. So meaning you're on the treadmill or you're outside and you're just walking faster or you're actually going for a little bit of a run, which is more vigorous than what you're walking would be. And then Wednesday, as a somewhat lighter day because you just had a tough Tuesday, you do another walk, steady state aerobic capacity where you're just walking 30 to 40 minutes at a conversation pace. Thursday, we go back to a very similar um, uh, layout of exercises, again, including resistance training, or sorry, resistance training, which would include exercises and big compound movements such as the squats, the push-ups, the deadlifts, the rows, the pull-ups, so on and so forth. Um, and you're going to have a very similar kind of uh, uh, setup to Tuesday. You might flip some of those movements where some of the movements that on Tuesday that were a little bit heavier, you might go lighter on Thursday and make the other movements a little bit heavier. And then you can add a vigorous session on that, or you just might do the resistance training. And then Friday, depending on what you do Thursday, let's add just a more vigorous aerobic training session where you're just going to do uh, more vigorous uh um, aerobic capacity. So in this scenario, what I want you to think about is we're going to do a walk run. So I want you to walk for, let's just say like three quarters of a mile, and then you're going to run for a quarter of a mile and then you're going to walk for three quarters of a mile. Then you're going to run for a quarter of a mile. So you're going to, you're going to be able to go up, down, up, down, up, down. It allows you to catch your breath and do that high intensity interval where you're going to be breathing a lot harder when you're running. And then you bring that heart rate back down and control it when you walk. And then you go back up and you just go back and forth and you can kind of play around with the, the numbers and the distance as, as you see fit. And then Saturday, Sunday on the weekends, you know, maybe it's a little bit more playtime for you and the kids and you're looking at a hike, you're looking at going down to the park, you're looking at going along the creek side and walking the trail, but you're going more of that open steady state and just getting it in and having fun with the family, right? There's a week, 
rinse and repeat. If you got the littles, this might be all you can do. During the week, if you got littles, definitely harder to get in, but that's why I want you to stay stay tuned for part two, where we're going to talk about ways to hopefully implement more training and trying to be consistent when you have a family at home. So, uh, again, minimum guidelines. That's not to say that you can't do more. We encourage more. We encourage you to expand upon this and to challenge yourself. And if you need some help, you know, we'd love to help you out, but there's a ton of personal trainers and coaches out there who, who might be better a fit. Um, if you want just a little bit of a guidance or a consultation of just like, Hey, this is what I'm already doing. Do you see any tweaks or anything I can add? You know, we'd love to do that. That's, that's, uh, that's super easy to just kind of give those affirmations and tweak things where we, we see fit or, you know, maybe fill some of the holes or gaps that, that come up that, that we also see. Um, but you know, I'm super proud of you guys. Uh, I think we're obviously I'm at we're we, we see a lot more of this and I oftentimes forget that it's, that it's a little bit different in other parts of the country, especially those parts of the country where exercise and fitness is not promoted as much. Um, so don't be afraid to stand out and, you know, know what's right for your body and know what's right for your family because there are a ton and obviously there are needed and necessary health benefits that come out of this, not only from a physical perspective, but also a mental perspective of actually moving, gaining more energy, so on and so forth as well. So thanks for tuning in guys. This is the live loud life podcast. If you've enjoyed it, uh, please, uh, give us your comments, give us any other questions or topics that you might have that we can go over, share with a friend, tag us on social media, um, at live dot loud dot life on instagram and then you can find us on youtube facebook so on and so forth but uh much love guys live loud